Father, we just come and we lift you up as King of kings, as Lord of lords, and we sing all hail King Jesus, Savior of the world, Savior of my heart. We love you. We pray this morning as we continue on in worship, as we hear your words spoken to us. God, I ask that our hearts would just be open to you. God, speak to us, change us, make us more like you. Do what you need to do in us, Lord. We surrender. God, we just pray that you would just move in the rest of our service. Have your way in us. We love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Good morning. Good morning. Y'all, there's lots of seats down here. Just come on down. It just looks like they're not. Bill, you want to move over some? Let people sit down? boy. There you go. Very good. Oh, man, we, I got a text message a while ago from the Seaberries, Steve and Ann, and they said they're watching this morning. So on a, let's all stand up, and on a count of three, look at that camera, and said, how y'all doing? All right, stand up. In the count of three, a big, how y'all doing? Ready? One, two, three. Good. I wish we could have said that in French, but I don't imagine we could have done that, so... Matthew 24, Matthew 24, the red words of Jesus, and we're looking at some prophecies, the red words of Jesus, and last week we talked about um, verse 1 and 2, and it says, as Jesus was leaving the temple grounds in verse 1, his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings, so let's look at slide 1, we're just going to kind of briefly go back if you weren't here we talked about this a lot this is a model in Jerusalem and that is the temple that Jesus saw that's the second temple and you can see the real big structure there in the middle and that is comparative to the nation's capital now for them they didn't have all those real big skyscrapers around in Jerusalem you can see around the walls that there was really small buildings, small, uh, two, no more than two stories. The four uh, stack-looking things, that's uh, the Antonio Fortress, and that's where they put the crown of thorns on Jesus' head. But the first time I saw our Capitol building, I said, that's unbelievable. That's a huge building. If you're down in Austin and you're going down Congress Avenue, you look down there and say, if all those other real tall buildings weren't there, Man, that, that Austin uh, Capitol would really be, uh, you know, just huge in comparison to the rest of the area. And so when they traveled from Jerusalem to, from uh, Jericho to Jerusalem, and they came over the Mount of Olives, and that's the vantage point we have here, this thing was magnificent. It was huge. It was unbelievable. It was beyond anything they had in their world. That temple was some 240-something feet from the ground floor down here up to the pinnacle. So it's, it's magnificent. And so the disciples are going out the eastern gate, and they're leaving, going back to the Mount of Olives or the, or the northern gate, and, and they're talking about how magnificent these buildings are. And they're pointing them out. In verse 2, Jesus said to them, 
Do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth, they will be completely demolished. Now, if you're in Washington, D.C., and you're looking at our Capitol building, and someone says, let me tell you something. This is a huge building. This is a large building. But in just a short period of time, this building is going to be completely demolished. You would say, you've lost your marbles. You've lost your mind. There's no way in the world. How in the world is that Washington building, how can it be torn down? And that not one stone is going to be left on top of each other? But now, look at slide two. Slide number two. That's today. Matter of fact, that picture was taken just a couple years ago. And where the Dome of the Rock is, and that's that gold dome that you see there, that is basically where that huge, magnificent temple building stood. The bottom line is, the words of Jesus are true. It came true. And in 70 A.D., the Romans absolutely destroyed this whole structure. The walls were torn down. The buildings were torn down. I mean, it was just a complete devastation of their world. And so the foundation for the prophecy of Jesus, I believe, is that is no longer the temple. It's not there. It's gone. And they are surrounded by enemies. It says in Luke chapter 19, when Jesus came over in his last week of ministry, and he came over the Mount of Olives, he said, man, he, he hurt, he grieved, he wept for the people of Israel. He said, if only you had received the time of your visitation. And he said, it's going to be horrible. There's going to be judgment, and judgment's going to come. And, and judgment has come. And we talked last week, the closest the Jewish people are able to get to the place of their sacrifice, the place of the Holy of Holies, is that, is that wailing wall. And they can't go. They can't get there. And so the words of prophecy from Jesus are absolutely true. So let's go to the next side. Now, in verse 3, Later Jesus said on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to Him privately and said, Tell us when will all this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? What are the signs of the times? What kind of things are going to happen before Jesus comes? Now, we're going to talk about today the, the, the sign that's found in verses 4 and 5. We have in verse 6, the wars and rumors of wars. We have in verse uh, 8, we have famines, pestilences perhaps, and earthquakes in many parts of the world. Now, in verse 8, Jesus says, but all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. So, this second sign. Now, the first sign for the coming of Christ is the temple is going to be gone. That's already happened. That's already taken place. That's our foundation for the truth of Jesus. That helps us know that we can count on, we can trust on the words of Jesus. Jesus told them in verse 4, Don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name claiming, I am the Messiah. Don't let anyone deceive you. Before the beginning of the birth pains, now when you think about birth pains, labor pains that a lady has, when, when they begin, they're not near as severe and not near as intense 
as they are later on in the process, right? So what Jesus is saying to us here is, these are the things that are going to take place early on in, in, that is going to begin the steps towards the end of time. However, in intensity and in uh, happening over and over, in the quickness of events, it is really going to increase. So, the removal of the temple is the first thing that had to take place, according to Jesus here. The second thing that takes place is there are going to be many people who are going to come into this world and they're going to claim to be the Messiah. They're going to claim to be the Christ. Don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name claiming, I am the Messiah, and they will deceive many. So deception is going to take place before the Lord returns. Now, today in the world, now, uh, there are seven people, seven men, that get the most attention for claiming to be Christ. There's an Australian today named Alan Miller, and he claims to be the Christ. He says he is the Messiah. Not only does he say he's the Messiah, but he's married to Mary Magdalene. And he's in Australia. And he has a pretty big following. He's deceiving many. Englishman David Shaler is active today claiming to be the Christ in England. David Shaler does not have as many followers as Alan Miller, but he still has a pretty good following. A man that has a huge following, following is named Christo. He's a Brazilian, and he lives in Brasilia today, and, and many people believe that he is the Christ. He's the Messiah living in the world. There's a man in Siberia called Viserin, and people believe he is the Messiah. And he has got a whole compound of people. He's got a couple thousand people living with him in Siberia. And he believes living in Siberia is a way to freeze impurities out of you. And so he's really big about jumping in the water and having ice all over your beard and all those kind of things. And that difficult life makes you more pure and more upright and more acceptable to God. But he believes he's the Messiah. There's a Zambian man named Jesus of Kitway. He believes he's the Messiah and he has a big following. There's a Japanese man named Jesus Matayoshi. He believes he's the Messiah. And there's a South African named Moses Longwayne that believe they're the Messiah. Now, all those seven men are receiving the most attention today, claiming to be Christ. We've seen Jim Jones in our nation. You remember back in the 1980s in that time, when Jim Jones was in, and he went to Africa and, and had everybody drink the poison Kool-Aid so they could, you know, cast into eternity. David Koresh believed he was the Messiah down here in Waco. And he had a following. And, and he believed that our government would come against him and they would destroy him. And so he had all that ammunition and all those guns. And they were pre preparing for Armageddon. Sung Young Moon is no longer with us. He believed he was the Messiah. And one of the things that Sung Young Moon was famous for is uh, performing a wedding ceremony for 5,000 couples all at one time. And he believed that he was Messiah. And you have probably heard of the term Moonies, and that came from Sung Young Moon. So we live in a day and time that many people have come 
and claim to be the Messiah. Now, what Jesus has to say here and what the Scripture says in other places allows us to understand that a sign of the times, a sign of the end of the world, is that there is going to be much deception in the world. Matter of fact, in Matthew 24, 24, Jesus said, For false Christ and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. So there are going to be people that are going to come along and they're going to be able to perform great signs, great miracles. They're going to be counterfeit, of course, and they're going to be the power of Satan. They're going to be evil. They're going to have that demonic presence to them. And they are going to do things that are going to cause people to go, wait a minute, maybe this is the Messiah. Maybe this is the chosen one. And if possible, even the elect are going to be misled. And so it's going to be a time of great deception. 1 Timothy 4.1 says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. 1 John 4.1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether or not they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. So there's going to be this war. There's going to be this huge effort by Satan to deceive as many people as possible. That's what we're going to face in the end times. We're going to face much deception. 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4 says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So, there is going to come a time before the return of the Lord comes that people are going to abandon what we understand to be biblical teaching and they are going to follow, they are going to, to gather together teachers that will teach them what they want to hear. They want their ears to be itched. Doesn't it feel good to have your ears itched? I don't know about you, but I've got allergy problems, and they're, one of my favorite things to do is to get a, an ear deal, a, 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 a Q-tip, and have my way in my ear. I mean, there's nothing feels better than that. I'm here to tell you, I, that I can get down in there, dig. One time I took my glasses and poked my eardrum out. That wasn't too good. But I can get down in there, and boy, when I get in that inner ear, and I start, boy, I just go, oh, yeah, baby, it don't get any better than that. Because, <laughs> man, I, my ears really do itch. And so I understand itching ears. You gotta have when you got itching ears, you gotta have some relief. Man, I sure do love my preacher. Why? He makes me feel so good. He never tells us we're evil. He never tells us we're bad. He never challenges us. Man, he just tells stories of hope. 
Stories of possibility. I love my pastor. Why do you love my pastor? First of all, he looks good. He's pretty. I just love to go to church and see a well-dressed man who has pretty white teeth just teach the, teach the truth in a way that just makes, just lifts my spirit. Just lifts my spirit. Now, Jesus said, you're going to be deceived. Paul says, you're going to be deceived. Timothy, uh, Paul says to Timothy, there's going to come a time that people are not going to go for the truth. They're going to want to have their ears tickled a little bit. They want to feel good. Now, you, you reckon we live in that day? You reckon we live in that day today? Oh, preacher, can you just make us feel good? Now, I can make you feel good, but if I use the Bible, sometimes that's not going to happen. Now, if I don't use the Bible, I can make you feel good. I know I can. I can, I can get on the encyclopedias or the Internet now, and I can find me lot, two or three really nice stories. I can come up with two or three jokes. I can lift your spirit. I can make you feel better. Now, I can't do nothing about the teeth, and I can't do nothing about the hair. I tried. Nothing works up there. I mean, and, and I can put on a, a $1,000... Italian suit, and it doesn't look any better. You know, I can't improve on those things. But, but, but I know I could make you feel better. I know I could make you feel... I, I know I can make you prouder of where you go to church. I know I can do that. I have those skills. I have those abilities. But i got to sleep at night, and i got to be true to God. And so I've got to use a Scripture. So sometimes you're going to leave this congregation going, Oh, golly. What's wrong? Man, I'm under conviction. When you speak the word of truth, when you preach the word of God, that's what's going to happen. And you've got to understand that. That it is deception when we don't speak the truth. When we don't read the Bible. And we don't teach what Jesus has to say. And there's going to be a time when people will not endure sound teaching and, and it, this may be the beginning of the birth pain, pains, as Jesus said, but we are in that day and time. So be open to the truth. Fight deception. Fight that desire that the, that the evil one is going to tempt you with to get you to want to have your ears tickled. If your ears are itching, get a Q-tip and have at it. 2 Thessalonians 2, 9-12 the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. We are to love the truth. We need to crave the truth. We need to have an appetite for the truth. Just God's Word. What does God have to say? What does His very Word say? We are to love that Word. If we do not love the Word, then we are in great danger to be tempted with evil words, with untrue words, with the deception that comes from the evil one. Therefore God sends them this strong delusion so that they may believe what is false 
in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now, what a day and time we live where there's great pleasure in unrighteousness. Man, do we live in a day like that today? Sure we do. So Matthew 24, verses 4 and, and, and 5 there says that many are going to be misled. Many are going to be deceived. Many false prophets will come. We need to guard ourselves from those end-time activities. The evil one is going to get, get more and more active and is going to be working to deceive as many people as he possibly can before Jesus returns. Now, here's some things to think about. Here's some barriers to set up in your life. Be firmly anchored in truth. Be firmly anchored in truth. You need to know the truth. You need to be in the Word. You need to be soaking it up. You need to be having more of God's Word enter you than the words of this world, than the ideas of this world. Heed the Spirit's guidings and the Spirit's promptings in you. So you take God's Word, you read God's Word, you believe God's words, you embrace God's Word, you take it in, you take it in, you, you take more of it in than the world's concepts and ideas and, and crazy philosophies, and you heed the Spirit's promptings. And the Holy Spirit's role in God, a purpose, is to teach us all truth, to teach us what we need to know, and, and to convict us where we're wrong. And we need to be open. When we hear truth that convicts us, we need to repent of it. And we need to do all we can within our own will to be right with what God has to say. That's how you put a barrier up between you and barriers. And you need to seek truth more than you seek fulfillment for how you feel and your emotions. Seek truth. What is true more than what you feel and your emotions? Sometimes you hear people say, Now, I know what, I think I know what the scripture says, but I feel this way. You, you, you got to guard yourself against that. You feel a certain way? For instance, I, you know, Pastor, I just don't believe that there's going to be eternal damnation. I just feel that that's not the way it ought to be. Man, I just don't feel good about that. You're, you're following how you feel or how you want things to be more than what is true. There are consequences. The Scriptures clearly says there's eternal consequences for unbelief. We may not feel good about that. We may feel like everyone goes to heaven we may wish, that may be our, our emotion, that everyone goes to heaven. Everybody gets to experience heaven. No one experiences uh, consequences in hell. But that's not true. And the only way that you come to the place as, as reading the Scripture to believe that is that how you feel outweighs what is true. And so you got to, the barrier of truth has got to be firmly established in your life. 
jotted down some red flags to know. Some red flags for you to consider. You know, some things for you to consider. How do you know whether or not someone is teaching the truth? How do you know? Well, first of all, when you hear a preacher say, or you hear a teacher say, or a philosopher say, they have something new to reveal. That's a red flag. Be real careful of that. Someone claims to reveal something new or something better than anything you've ever heard. Y'all need to pay attention to me today because I'm going to bring you something that's better than anything you've ever heard. No, you're not. How can that be? I've been studying the Bible a long time. I've been attending church for many years. I've been listening. You're not coming to me and bringing something new that I've never heard. Now, you might have an application. You might have an understanding that maybe I haven't ever considered before, but there's no new revelation. There's no new truth. The truth has already been given to us, and when someone claims to reveal something new or better than orthodox historical Christianity, the red flag ought to go up, and you're not listening anymore. I remember a long time ago I was at a conference, and the guy was introduced as being someone that is able to go into Scripture and pull out new gems of truth. Boy, my red flag went up real quick and said, what new gems of truth? Something new? Something better than what we've already understood? No. There's not any new truth. There may be truth that we haven't accepted yet. There may be truth that we need to be reminded of. There may be truth that we've walked away from the mirror and we forgot what that truth is. But we have in the Holy Bible, we have all the truth we'll ever need. It introduces us to Christ. And if you ever hear a preacher stand up and say, i got something new for you today. No, he doesn't. And the red flag needs to go up. Now, I will admit that some Easter's, I like to have something new. <laughs> some Christmas Eve's, I like to have me a new story. Not really. But, you know, what do I say this Christmas Eve? What do I say this Easter? Been doing this a long time. Pretty much said it all. I laughed the other day. I left church. This guy walked up and says, you preached this same passage five years ago. And I said, yeah? Well, of course I did. What do you expect me to do this week? Going to bring out the uh, Confucius four elements of, of truth? I'm not going to bring out Buddhist uh, uh, manifesto. I mean, if you come to church a lot and you've listened to me for years and... And, and you're, I'm probably going to use the same Scripture more than once because there's nothing new. There's nothing new. I'm just reminding you of what you already know. I'm just showing you maybe an application might be some new thing for you, but the truth ain't new. Yep, it's the same old born preacher just opening up the Old Testament and the New Testament and saying, this is the red words of Jesus. Yes, I have preached the red words of Jesus here more than once. This is probably the third or fourth emphasis in my time of preaching here that I, I just can't get away from the red words of Jesus. I just don't think you can get enough of it. If someone comes to me and says, Lee, I'm really struggling in my life, I'm likely to say, read the red words and pray for the power. 
Now, Lee, you told us that 25 years ago. Yep, it was good then, it's good now. Go for it. Get after it. Nothing new. Another red flag. When sin is rationalized, that God accepts it. Man, you, you, let me tell you something. A lot of the deceivers out there, they do this. They do it with, with, with sexual relations. They do it with controlling people. Right? You know, look, the, 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 the prophet or the man will stand up and say, look, I need to father all the kids in the congregation so that we can really honor God. Wait a minute. That's sin. No, 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 no. It's not sin when I do it. What about when we do it? Yep, it's sin when you do it, but I got a special touch. I've got an anointing that's different from you. I'm the prophet. It's not sin when I have sex relations with everyone. Ooh, red flag. You see, that prophet, that preacher, that bishop, that king, that pope, that pastor, whatever he is, he's under the same truth as anyone else. And when he comes to tell you things like he wants to control your life or he's trying to control your life, he's trying to force you to believe certain things, he's trying to force you to act a certain way so that he is seen as superior to everyone else, red flag and sin is rationalized to be accepted by God I can do whatever I want to do because I'm God's special anointed one now wrong any authority outside of the Bible red flag any authority outside the Bible the Bible is our authority the Bible is what we follow no person no organization not even an experience that's outside of the authority of the Bible. Red flag when someone says, let me tell you what happened to me. And they tell you something that happened to them, and what happened to them is not found in Scripture. We have to be careful. We have to be careful with that. That's an authority outside of Scripture. When someone says, I know what the Bible says, but I had this experience. And this experience that I had makes me understand that what the Bible has to say is not right anymore. It's not applicable anymore. No, 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 no. Nope. Red flag. Any teaching that happens that demotes Jesus or elevates people. You hear that a lot today. Demoting Jesus of who Jesus is, that He's the Christ, the Son of the living God, but people, now, they're really important. They're really important. You know, honestly, I'm being sarcastic here, but I'm trying to put myself in their shoes. Y'all, I'm really the only one that understands Scripture. I mean, y'all need to listen to me. I got it. I know it. I, I have an understanding about God that not only do you not have, but I don't believe you can ever have it. Because I've got it. God put His hands on me, and God has given me an understanding that's beyond you. Matter of fact, I'm equal to Jesus now. 
And just like you, you cater to Jesus, you need to cater to me. Because I'm that special person in, in the chain of command between you and God. Between you and God. You're nothing, I'm someone. Jesus is okay, but boy, what I've discovered with Him is beyond that. Red flag. Any teaching that most Jesus and elevates people, elevates celebrity, elevates a preacher. Now, it says in the Scriptures, beware of prophets who receive men's praises. Beware. It doesn't mean they're wrong. It doesn't mean that it's not the case. But have a red flag when a celebrity preacher hits the stage. Be careful of that. How'd they get there? What's going on? What's taking place? Okay? Now, we live in a day and time, there's mega churches, TV ministries, all this. A preacher every Sunday, well, maybe not now during the epidemic, the pandemic, but not now during this deal, he preaches to 5, 10, 15, 25, 30,000 people during the weekend. Unbelievable. And writes books and... and, and but, and, and, and you've got to check each case out as individual sources. However, be careful when everyone speaks well of that man of the Lord. Just be careful. Teaching that turns our focus off of Jesus and our great need for His grace. Be careful. That needs to be a red flag. You see, the Scriptures are very clear. All have sinned and all fall short of God's glory. And we are all in desperate need of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And we need His grace. And so, a false teacher is not going to talk a lot, or at all perhaps, about Jesus and what He did on Calvary for us what he did on the cross, that he shed his blood. They might talk about ten ways to make more money, five ways to be at peace with your wife, four ways to make, you know, do better in relationships and have all these things going, but never really deal with the fact that man without Jesus Christ is lost and condemned and needs Jesus' grace. Look in Colossians chapter 2 for just a minute if you would. I want to read some scriptures here. And, and I think this is a good foundation for us to help us stand firm against deception that might come. Verse 1, he says, I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan. Paul wanted the church at Colossae. He wanted the Laodiceans. He wanted them to be anchored in and understand this mystery of Christ. In Him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Verse 3. In Him, Jesus, lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. What really matters comes from Christ. What really matters is what Jesus did. What really matters is who Jesus is. 
Verse 4, I am telling you this so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you, and I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. Be careful of well-crafted arguments. Be careful of a thought of, that sounds too good to be true. That sounds really polished. That guy's really presented that well. That makes sense. Be real careful of teaching a philosophy that makes good sense to us. Does the cross make good sense to us? I mean, come on, it doesn't, does it? The cross doesn't make good sense. It's not through good human reason that we believe that one man would die for the benefit of everyone else. That doesn't make good sense. That, that, you can't craft that real well. Only through faith do we accept that. Only through belief do we come to a place where we recognize that Jesus dying on the cross is true. It doesn't make any sense. When we share the gospel, human, human understanding and human reason is not what brings people to faith. It's the Holy Spirit that convinces them to walk away from their human reason and embrace Jesus through faith. And so when you hear well-crafted arguments, be real careful when you hear things like, let's just all get along. There are many ways to be right with God. It doesn't matter which road you take. Now that sounds good, doesn't it? I mean, that's where you want to have, you know, Brother Bill or, or Uncle Bob. You know, Uncle Bob, man, he didn't love people. He didn't care about people. He never went to church. But he was just as good as anyone else, right, preacher? No! Uncle Bob's burning in hell. But, 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 but doesn't it make sense that but God is just going to understand that Uncle Bob, he meant well. No! That may be a well-crafted argument that someone would make, but it's not the truth. Be careful out of well-crafted arguments to make everyone feel good. That's what the Scripture tells us to do. And so, if you have a thought, that's a well-crafted argument. It's not the truth. It's not the truth. It's not what is, is right. He says in verse 6, And now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow Him. Let your roots grow down into Him and let your lives be built on Him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Now, verse 8. Verse 8 happens when you anchor in Christ. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from humans thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. Be careful of well-crafted messages that comes from high human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world, Satan rather than Christ. 
You are good. You have God in you. It is your destiny. You can be better than you are today. If you'll just think this way, if you'll just train the way you think, if you'll just prepare yourself every day to think in these high ways, how important you, how much you matter, how smart you are, how, how gifted you are, you can control your own destiny. That's not the truth. It's not the truth. We have all sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. If you give us an opportunity to follow the ways of our heart, we will destroy our own lives and we will destroy the other lives around us. We need Jesus to change our heart. We're not naturally good people. We're just not. It sounds good. It makes sense. It, it, it tickles our ears but it's not the truth. De deny that deception. And so, if it comes from Christ, believe it. If it doesn't come from Christ, recognize it comes from the evil one. It comes from human thought. And it's to be rejected. Red flags. Something new. Something better. Sin is okay. Do whatever you want to do. It's going to be all right. God understands. An experience beyond the Bible, a person beyond the Bible, an organization beyond the Bible, a teaching that demotes Jesus and elevates people, a teaching that takes our focus off of Jesus and our great need for His grace are the ways that Satan comes to deceive even the elect, if he can. Do not be deceived. Get the truth in you. Believe the truth. Be accountable to the truth. Lord, help us to understand. Help us to walk in the way of truth. And Lord, I pray that we will be passionate about your word. That we'll be passionate about what you have said, Lord. Help us to stand strong against the deception that we are facing in these end days. In Jesus' name, amen.